Hello, FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall, and this week I'm coming to you from the beautiful city of Charleston, South Carolina, and 1250 WTMA, Charleston's News Talk Leader. Join me like it does each week as the co-host of this program, Mr. Stone Labanowitz. Stone is coming to you from his broadcast center in the sunshine state of Florida. Well, Stone, I got to tell you, it's nice to do this show from the same time zone, bro. (laughs) For the first time this season, right? Yes, for the first time this season, maybe ever. I have to go back and look. You don't have to worry about calling me and me being asleep, and I don't got to worry about calling you and you being asleep. So it works out pretty good. (laughs) Got to love it. Folks, there were a lot of great games last week. We can't cover them all, but here are some of the highlights from last week's action. Up first, number two, Montana State 40. Number eight, Weber State 0. What a dominating performance by the Bobcats. Yeah, this was the biggest statement of the weekend, I think. This definitely gets my vote, and I also think this widens the gap from the top five and so on, right? You, you look at these teams, Montana State, a team who's been tested with South Dakota State already, came out on the losing side of that one, but to take on a team like Weber State and to find this result 40-0 fashion, yeah, this was a huge statement. Montana State's the real deal, also deserving of the number two spot in the country, and for those still ranking North Dakota State, in the two spot, we laugh at you. Look, the Bobcats dominated this one from Jump Street, especially up front on both sides of the ball. The Cats averaged 7.7 yards per carry and ran it for a total of 346 total rushing yards. You're going to win a lot of ball games if you can almost hit 350 rushing the football. Number three, Idaho, 36. Number seven, Sac State, 27. Hell of a ball game. Yeah, Ricardo Chavez with a second left ends up finding the uprights finding the middle of the uprights, if I may. This game was the game of the week. It played out like the game of the week. And Idaho, a team that we have ranked right behind Montana State, has been tested not once with Nevada, not twice with Cal, but three times with Sac State in another top 25 matchup on the way this weekend. What Idaho's doing, the schedule that Eck put in place, this is ridiculous stuff. And Idaho's a damn good football team. They keep coming out on the right side. We're Vandals boys. Great ball game between really good teams. The Vandals never trailed in this one. And the difference for me was the way the Vandals ran the ball. You're going to notice that's going to be a trend. They ran it for 178 yards, and the rush defense held Sac State to just 69 very nice rushing yards. That was a great performance by the offense. I think we knew that Idaho would be able to score, but would they be able to hold up defensively against a Sac State team that wants to do a lot of things? And the answer to that question is, yes, sir. Kev, can we talk about this schedule for two seconds? Sure, go ahead. I mean, seriously. Excluding Lamar, it's FBS Nevada, and we know Nevada's not a good football team. But then you go over to Cal, play Cal? Yeah, yeah, that Cal. Then you find your way in Sac State, you bring them to the Dome and you beat them, and now you take on an Eastern Washington team that some polls have ranked inside the top 15. How can you not respect what Idaho's done and who they've beaten and who they've played? I don't get it. Well, I'll be the devil's advocate here, right? One of the teams that we're using to hold Idaho up is a team they're going to play this week who North Dakota State beat. I don't think it's the same Eastern team now as it was. I think they really came of age in that Fresno State ball game. But you also look at Central Arkansas, who's now a top 25 team in other polls, not ours. So the Bison fans can say, but wait a minute, we, we've beaten two top 25 teams. Yeah, but neither of them were that when you played them. So uh, maybe that speaks even highly of it, that they were able to go on the next couple of weeks, win some games, and get in some people's top 25s. The difference to me is just the success against the better teams. And look, NDSU, we said it last week, they look a lot like NDSU. And that's scary if you're everybody else. It's going to be harder going forward to make this top five. So, you know, uh, I'll drink a cup of coffee 
We'll have that uh, video chat on Monday mornings trying to figure out what it is we're going to do. I don't think anybody's going to have very much pity on us trying to figure out how to rank these teams going forward. Number five, Furman, 38. Number 20, Mercer, 14. Great home win for the Paladins. Yeah, they scored 38, and quarterback Tyler Huff wasn't even asked to do too much, right? 20 completions, only for a buck 68 and a touchdown. Still, they ended up putting the ball in the dirt like they do best and end up scoring 38 points. This was a big win against the Mercer team that we thought was going to be able to hang tough, that we thought is a legit football team. And not to say that they aren't. This result didn't show us that they aren't. Furman might just be that good. Look, you mentioned Tyler Huff. He continues to impress me. He's not a drop back, throw it 50 times, going to beat you that way. But he had 250 total yards by himself, rushing and passing together. And the Furman defense held the entire Mercer team to 267 total yards. Powell and running back Roberto and Anderson Jr. added touchdown runs in the win. Don't look now, but guess what? The SoCon is very competitive in the top five teams. Going to be a war going forward. Number 24, Delaware. 29, number 13, UNH. 25, Stone. The Blue Hens came storming back in this one. It was a very good performance by a team we had question marks about, hence the number 24 ranking coming in last week. Delaware is looking like they're going to be a very good football team. Yeah, Max Brosmer and UNH jumped out to a 17-0 lead. I remember checking my phone pretty early on. I wasn't able to watch this game, but seeing 17-0, that, oh, wow, okay. This is the UNH team we thought was going to show up, and Delaware ended up erasing that 17-0 lead, and then from the third and fourth quarter, they just kept trading the lead back and forth. Delaware ended up coming out on top. UNH did have a chance late in this game. Game, going back and watching some of the tape. This was a questionable result for UNH, but like you said, Delaware's not a bad football team, and they got everybody's attention now, so they might as well keep winning ball games, eh? I mean, the quarterback play was excellent for Delaware. Ryan O'Connor, 24 of 37 for 336 and three touchdowns. The offense looks to be in shape. I mean, we're questioning how you're going to replace Nolan, and it looks like they're well on their way to doing so. Number 25, Chattanooga, 47. Number 17, Samford, 24. Oops, there goes the SoCon again. Yeah, what a result, though. For Chat to drop a 50-burger on Sanford, who at the beginning of the season was not only in teams' top fives, but uh, in all the top ten. So we had a lot of Sanford stock. We've bought it, and now I think me and you both don't know whether to sell it or hold it. I personally am going to choose to hold it. I think Michael Hires in this offense, they're a well-oiled machine, but the defense is where they have their problems. To get 50 dropped on you, well, 47 to be exact by a Chat team's questionable. But Chat, again, coming about, right? We were waiting for this team to put it together. You had questions earlier on in the season. I know this answers some of them. The Mox got off to a quick start on both sides of the ball here. They had an open and drive touchdown, and then on Sanford's first play, a pick six. So even before the Sanford fans could sit down in their cozy home stadium seat there in Birmingham, it was 13 to nothing Chattanooga, and that ball game was over. Chattanooga's defense held up, and you say you're holding Sanford? I'm selling. I think they're done. Number 23, Eastern Washington, 27. Number 19, UC Davis, 24. The Eagles' defense is what they usually are when they have a good squad. They're going to give up yards between the 30s, but they're gritty, they're opportunistic, and they fly to the football. They forced three turnovers, and that was the difference in the ballgame. They also blocked a field goal on the specialty teams. Eastern is rounding into form. I think Aaron Best has to like what he's seen from his squad so far. Big game this week on their field against number three Idaho and no better way to say to the entire country that Eastern Washington is back than by winning that football game should be one that I'm going to have my eye on. I know you too, Stoney. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. And here are your FCS Nation Radio National Defensive Players of the Week presented by Northwestern Mutual. The National Defensive Player of the Week is Ela Quete from Northern Arizona. Four and a half tackles for a loss, four sacks, one pass breakup, and one 
unforced fumble, and the Lumberjacks' stunning upset of Montana. The FCS Nation National Offensive Player of the Week is Mr. Shunderick Powell from Central Arkansas. 23 carries, 256 yards on the ground. He also caught a pass for 25 yards. Congratulations to those two young men for being the FCS Nation National Players of the Week. Brought to you by Northwestern Mutual. And here is the FCS Nation Top 25 for this week. Number one, South Dakota State. Number two, Montana State. Number three, Idaho. Number four, North Dakota State. And rounding out the top five, the Furman Paladins. Number six, Holy Cross. Number seven, North Carolina Central. Number eight, rising with a bullet, the Western Carolina Catamounts. Falling to number nine, Sacramento State. Remaining steady at number 10, Southern Illinois. Number 11, William and Mary, falling to number 12, Weber State. Number 13, Incarnate Word, 14, North Dakota. And climbing to number 15, the Delaware Fighting Blue Hens. Rising to 16, Eastern Washington. Falling to 17, New Hampshire. Rising to 18, Chattanooga. Number 19 is Villanova. And rounding out the top 20, Florida A&M. Falling to number 21, UC Davis. Number 22 is Youngstown State. Falling to number 23 is Rhode Island. Falling to number 24 is Mercer, and re-entering the FCS Nation Radio Top 25 at number 25, the Eastern Kentucky Colonels. It's time for us to take a break. When you come right back to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network, Stone Labanowitz will sit down with Giovanni McCoy, the fine quarterback for the Idaho Vandals. I know you'll want to hang out for that. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Idaho quarterback Giovanni McCoy went from an unknown, under-recruited underdog to, well, the face of the program. Giovanni McCoy has been named this year's winner of the Jerry Rice Award. Giovanni McCoy. Giovanni McCoy, Idaho quarterback. McCoy was the best freshman in the FCS ranks. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network, folks. It's about that time of the week, the Stone Cold Quarterback segment. This one, though, a big fish edition. My opinion, the best quarterback in the country. Talk to the wall if you disagree. I do not give a damn what anybody thinks. The resume speaks for itself. Giovanni, thanks for giving the show some time this week. Thank you for having me. Giovanni McCoy, the signal caller for the Idaho Vandals, name rings bells, Jerry Rice Award winner, which goes to the top freshman in the country. So Giovanni, just keeping it chugging. I wanted to start out, though, by grading the start to the season. You guys are off to a 3-1 2023 campaign, 3-1 and one go with things. We're in the midst of the fifth week right now. You guys are taking on Eastern Washington. But grading-wise, you're the teacher. You're the leader of the squad. A through F, what would you give it? Uh, I'd say right now we're probably around like a a B plus just because we still haven't played our best football yet. So um, I would just say like a B plus right now. A B plus, y'all are passing. More than passing. A's and B's is always the goal. What are the vibes like in the facility? You guys got characters on this squad. Your wide receiver core is loud, funny, Eck. The man himself is a character. Y'all student section, the vandalizers, you guys pack that dome out. Everybody looks jacked up. I love the attendance number that I saw. You guys are really getting this thing going. Is this rubbing off on you guys? For sure. For starters, our dome for this first home game is just super loud. Our student section was going crazy the whole game, and it was just a great atmosphere just to play in. As you touched on, though, for sure, uh, we have just a lot of characters, especially in the receiver room, for sure. There's a lot of characters in there. They make a 
whole lot of plays as well. It feels good right now, but you know, we can't just just keep patting ourselves on our back. We still got a whole lot of work to do, you know. Talk about that top 10 matchup last week. Big win over Sac State, finish it off 36 to 27. But that score line, not indicative to how that game played out. It was wire to wire. And you guys got it done basically with a second left on the clock. Field goal goes right through the uprights. Some on social media, and I think just around the FCS circle, called it intense at times. I could not agree more. I think that's really accurate. But for you, what was the game flow like? What were you preaching to the guys on the sideline for 60 minutes? Great game. We played a very good team um, with Sac State. The whole time, it was a tight game. Basically, just the whole time, I just told our guys that we all wanted that win way more than Sac State and just do our job and we'll all be fine. What are you going to do in your job? You, sir, played your tail off. 234 yards, two touchdowns. Two of the boys found pay dirt. What's working well for you as an individual right now? For uh, starters, um, I would just say uh, Coach Slice. He puts me in a very good position, uh, play in and play out. Then after that, I would just say my offensive line, they've been doing a great job all season. Those guys keep me safe. And then just after that, we have a lot of ball players. If I see them downfield, I just give them a shot and they go up and make plays for me. So One of those ball players, Mr. Hayden Hatton, I want to read you some tweets from your guys' game Saturday. Now, you're in the cut. You're playing football, so you can't see Twitter but me. That's my job on Saturdays. This is a tweet from at Dan, my man. You don't need to know who he is. He tweets, the wide receiver core in Moscow is unbelievable. Probably every single one of them is starting at any other FCS program. That tweet, quoted by Sam Herter, a voice well-known throughout the FCS, and he said, Hayden Hatton is arguably the most talented offensive player in the FCS. Hayden Hatton himself, seven receptions, 72 yards last Saturday, did not find the end zone, but God, he's fun to watch. Giovanni, what's he mean to this football team? And would you dispute the statement that he's the most talented player in the FCS right now? There's just so much to to say about that guy. Uh, he's just uh, so great and just such a great ball player, and he makes so many plays with all that, you know, um, off the field as well. Um, he's just a real chill, cool, uh, down-to-earth guy. So, uh, yeah, he's great, and, I mean, he means so much to our team, you know. he's Yeah, he's probably best in FCS, so. <laughs> Listen, you don't have to make any comments on rankings. I get it. You're a quarterback. You're not supposed to. Kind of put some bulletin board material out there, but we have you guys ranked at FCS Nation, the number three team in the country. That's our poll. Part of that is because of the schedule, the strength of the schedule. It's top 10. Now it's top one in the top five rankings that everybody has around the entire country. Two FBS teams in a top 10 team in Sac State, and it's still freaking September. Is that something that you guys are aware of, or do you trust what Kochak puts in front of you and just get back in the lab? No, yeah. Exactly what you just said. Uh, we all just trust Coach Eck. We all have faith week by week, day by day. Coach comes and tells us what our game plan is for, for each week. We all just have faith and believe in Coach Eck. So I would definitely say that way for sure. Don Lebano is of FCS Nation having a chat with Giovanni McCoy, the signal caller, the quarterback, the man with the plan for the Idaho Vandals. Jerry Rice, award winner, like I mentioned earlier. That award given to the top freshman in the country. This year, this guy, in my opinion, on pace for the Walter Payton, but we'll save that conversation for another day. Giovanni, before we move on to what's ahead, the double reverse pass against Sac State, take me through that play, like step-by-step, step, when it gets called, mm -hmm. what it's called, if you're willing to put that out there, and how it gets executed. Once I get the ball to the back, I just get depth, and I try to get deep to, uh, to stay away from all the bad guys. So he gives it to the receiver, and then he tosses it back to me. I just seen my tight end downfield. I gave him a chance, and he came down with it. So it was 
a great play call for that time for sure. That's awesome. Hey, that's a play-by-play breakdown for Mr. Giovanni McCoy. I noticed you did not want to put the play call out there. The name, <laughs> not willing to do that. <laughs> I think I should hold off on that one. Okay, you don't want nobody hearing it. A lot of people listen to the show, Giovanni. A lot of people are fans of you as well. So any bit of intel they can get, they'll try to find a way to grab it. Hey, I hate to dwell on the past, but you guys go to Cal Berkeley in week three, which was a back-to-back FBS road trip game for you guys. You go out and jump out to a 17-0 lead. Locker room, I'm sure, was lit. You guys are confident. You guys know you're playing your game. It seemed like that game was played at your tempo and your pace, exactly what you guys wanted. Ended up losing that game 31 to 17, went scoreless in the second half. What did you guys learn about yourselves with that result? That was a tough loss for us, for sure. We came out and started fast. To be honest, I would say the biggest thing that we learned from that game was just that when bad stuff like goes down, that we all got to uh, come together and go back out there, respond to, to the bad stuff exactly respond to the adversity trust me i get it i most definitely get it as i mentioned earlier you guys are off to a three and one start playing some really good football as a team as we look forward of course like i just mentioned what's the confidence level on a day-to-day basis on a scale of one to ten we're very confident right now i'll probably say like a ten right now for sure (laughs) we're excited a ten just leave it at that just leave it at that because you guys are playing ball like you're a ten i think that's the goal in that question, right? That's what I wanted to mm-hmm. hear. I didn't think yeah, you should sure. say 10, but hey, I love <laughs> to hear it. You guys seem like a December team, like a playoff team. Are your guys' mm-hmm. eyes set on the ultimate prize? You guys take the field with purpose each and every week. Is that final day in January what's really calling y'all's name? Yes. When the season first started, uh, we had set our goals for our team. That, um, of course, is, is to be Big Sky champs, to be FCS champs, you know. The Idaho Vandals, with a confidence level sitting at 10, have their eyes on the prize. The national championship is what they want. But first, you start with the Big Sky Championship. And speaking of that, you guys are off to an awesome start. Hey, us here at FCS Nation, myself, Kevin Marshall, my co-host, we love Coach Eck. I think the FCS collectively loves Coach Eck. What does he mean to this team? Yeah, he's just such a great coach. You know, um, I can't even thank him enough. He just, like, turned everything around, and he just a great coach and he just cares about us so much not just about what we do on the field but off the field what's been his biggest message like when you guys showed up to summer workouts and everyone's got fresh gear you have the folded shirts brand new socks brand new kicks on the back of the shirt though what was that main message that he wanted to preach to you guys when you were lifting when you were out on the field what was that one message believe probably for sure believe and that it's on us yeah listen i asked you the question what it said on the back of the shirt you told me it said believe (laughs) and i think that's uh exactly what you guys are doing right now a few more for you here again having our chat with giovanni mccoy the quarterback at idaho the vandal signal caller is a man with the plan this year your offensive coordinator luke schleisner Let's talk about that relationship that you guys have built. What's working so well for you guys right now? It seems like everything's just flowing. Um, I just feel like that I'm a good extension of Coach Slice on the field because, you know, once the game starts, he's up in our box. So, you know, um, I feel that I'm a, a good extension of Coach Slice. And, you know, like if guys are lined up in the right spot, then I could tell them to get lined up in, in the right spot and where to go. And then I would also say that um, I'm very – relaxed I guess like back there now compared to uh this first year um I would say that it took me probably like to week five to to just like be like cool back there and I was kind of uptight so yeah so um, I would say that I'm for sure more comfortable now with the offense okay so the Jerry Rice award winner just said publicly 
that he wasn't even relaxed in the backfield until week five. And he <laughs> went on to win the Jerry Rice Award winner. You're talented, kid. You're talented. Hey, listen, to FCS Nation out there who just don't quite believe yet, what would you have to say to them? What would I have to say to them? That's a good question. Uh, stay tuned. Yeah, just stay tuned and stay on that side. <laughs> Stay on that side, says Giovanni McCoy. They take on Eastern Washington this Saturday, September 30th. That, folks, is a 1 p.m. kick here on the East Coast. Argument for back-to-back games of the week. Me and my co-host talked about it. We think there's definitely an argument that you guys go back-to-back games of the week. No big deal. Only team who continues to test themselves. Maybe it's just the big sky and all the competition there is. Feeling good about this week? Yes, sir. Definitely. Feeling good about that. Go on that red turf. That red turf is a problem. I, I, mm. I, I don't know what I would do. I'm, I'm glad I didn't play on any blue any stripes, any red, none of that stuff. Good luck out there. Go kick some ass. And thanks for giving the show some time this week, Giovanni. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me. And we're back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's now time for the preview segment. This is where Stone Levanowitz and I take a trip all over FCS Nation and preview the biggest games taking place this week in FCS football. First game up, number 15, North Dakota is at number one, South Dakota State. Stone, I know that North Dakota offensively runs your favorite offensive system, and you can't wait to see how they match up against that Jackrabbit defense. Hey, listen, listen. This is a playoff team we're talking about in North Dakota. We don't have to get into the weeds about what they do offensively, now defensively, right? The honorary captain of the week and C.J. Siegel, a preseason All-American corner. Now that's a dog. Now that's somebody who has an opportunity to change this ball game and muck this thing up because South Dakota State, they're going to roll if the Fighting Hawks or North Dakota don't get them outside of that comfort zone that they're typically in each and every Saturday. So if North Dakota wants to, you know, cause an interception from Mark Gronowski earlier, cause a fumble from Amar Johnson or whether it has to be Isaiah Davis, then this game could get interesting, right? Two teams from the Dakotas, they know each other so well they play each other every year but other than that South Dakota State's gonna roll adding another W to the column so I don't think any fishy things will happen Saturday but if CJ Siegel and UND's defense wants to step up early this could get interesting but I don't think so look Tommy Schuster is more than capable right the kid can sling it and he can run with it I think if you're North Dakota here you have to try to play keep away from South Dakota State you have to kind of try to beat them at their own game run the ball play defense be solid in the special teams and you have to view this as almost, you know, a game against an FBS opponent. Hang around. This is the number one team in the country. Hang around. Stay within seven points, three points, four points. Give yourself a chance in the fourth quarter. If UND can do that, they can come away from Brookings with a victory. It's going to be a very good football game. And I think something that we have to pay attention to as well is UND sits at 15, right? So depending on the result is also going to depend on where we put them in the poll. Because if you get blown out 45 to 7, you're going to be probably hanging on by a thread at 22, 23, 24. Now, if you keep this within 10 points, I mean, you're going to float right around that 15 spot, right? You talked about this being kind of like an FBS game. I couldn't agree more. I love that point, but this game means a lot for UND's polling, and I also think, not that they'll be seated, but as far as the bracket goes, the committee will be paying attention to this one because UND, obviously a perennial playoff team. Portland State is at number two, Montana State. Montana State, awesome on the defense last week. I don't know how you do better than to shut out a top 10 team at the time. And Portland State, look, they're going to give everybody their best shot. They got nothing to lose. When I was sitting at Big Sky 
media day talking to Coach Barnum. You know, he had this game circle because he likes what Montana State does on offense, thinks he has a little bit of a plan to maybe cure that just a little bit on defense. It's going to be a chess match between Bruce Barnum and Brent Vegan. I'm looking forward to this one, Stone. Yeah, contrary to what people think, I think this one's close. And, and it sounds like you do as well. Portland State scored a million points in the past two weeks. Like that offense just continues to find pay dirt. But Montana State known for being stout on defense. We've seen what they did to South Dakota State already. We've seen what they did to Weaver State. Gave them uh, the old goose egg and didn't even let them find the end zone nor the uprights. So this one could be interesting. Now, if Montana State punches them in the mouth early, they'll run away with this one. But Portland State's, like you said, they got to just jump out on Montana State and it's got to be some weird things. You talked about Coach having a plan. You got to be kind of sneaky in a spot like this. You got to do some things you're not used to doing in the classic end arounds, the double reverse passes, like all of those things need to come out right now if you want to try to take down this Bobcat squad. Look, Portland State is the only college football team to beat an entire continent this season. I mean, they whip North America. How could they be scared of Montana State? Number three, Idaho is at number 16, Eastern Washington. This is my game of the week, Stone. Eastern Washington, like we mentioned in the recap segment, that's not a defense is going to jump off the page at you, right? You're going to get yards against them. When they have to defend less of the field, that becomes a really stingy and, oppor- and opportunistic group. I really like this Eagles defense. Idaho, look, all they've done so far is exactly what they were supposed to do. And then they won an FBS game, which they weren't supposed to. So Idaho, you're on track. You beat Sac- State last week, going on the road to Eastern Washington this week. Do what you do. Run the football. Throw it when it's advantageous to you. Play solid defense. Win the special teams. Idaho, this is a tough trip to make, and Cheney's a tough place to get out of with a W stone. Yeah, Idaho already has a top 10 strength of schedule. They're the only team in the top five that's even on this list, if that tells you anything. And to go on and play an Eastern Washington team that you very well might beat, they might be touchdown favorites, it's going to bode well for your seeding, for the country. I I think this game means a lot for Idaho. If you can beat an Eastern Washington team with the strength of schedule that they've shown being in the top 10, then there's really no conversation to have compared to the other schools in the top five and who they played. Idaho, man, we love them. X a dog. Giovanni McCoy's a dog. You heard him talk a little bit of that talk in the Stone Cold quarterback segment. They're going to beat Eastern Washington. I have full confidence in that. It's just by how much. South Dakota is at number four, North Dakota State. North Dakota State, we mentioned it earlier and last week, really starting to look like the Bison teams of old. And Cam Miller looks like a different player than he did last time we saw him in Frisco, Texas and that game against Incarnate Word in the playoffs. It's like night and day, Stone. And South Dakota, look, the Yotes, 2-1 and one right now, feeling good about themselves. One of two things going to happen. They're going to go into the Fargo Dome, play extremely hard, maybe have a chance to win the football game and come out of it still feeling really good about themselves because their season's not over regardless of what happens. Or you're going to go to Fargo and get stomped, and that's going to snowball and ruin the rest of your year. I think USD will hang around for a while. NDSU really looking like a good football team. And you know what? One of these weeks, we might have to move them up, Stone. I hear you. I hear you. I don't think I'm quite ready, but North Dakota State, if you had to give me a choice, I'd pick the latter of your first two, right? You talked about the Yotes hanging around a little bit, or them taking a trip to the Fargo Dome and getting stomped, and I'll choose that option B. I think North Dakota State, when I had a chance to speak with our Northwestern Mutual and Axel Lemonade Stand Honorary Captain of last week, Eli Mostart, he said we're kind of being slept on 
And that just, that only scared me, but for the audience out there and for other players, teams, coaches around the subdivision to hear that, you have to be so scared for a Bison team who thinks they're slept on. doesn't matter who's across the ball from them. They're going to punish them. I think we see a similar result here, but the Yotes, again, another team that play each other every single year. They know the tendencies. They know North Dakota State's going to try to run the ball, so you want to stack the box. Make Cam Miller beat you with the arm. I just don't necessarily see them having success on either side of the ball. North Dakota State rolls here. Harvard is at number six, Holy Cross. Stone, Matthew Saluka, Holy Cross offense, Dobbs and that defense. I believe that they're just going to eat Harvard's lunch. I I still see people putting them in the top 25 and Ivy League teams in the top 25. Look, it's your ballot. You can do whatever you want to with it, but I think Holy Cross is going to put an end to that discussion for Harvard this week. Yeah, it's just not smart for some of those poll makers. Just look what you're doing. It's basically like putting a golf ball on a tee and handing somebody one of the most expensive expensive drivers on the market like holy cross is going to beat harvard really bad and just force you to put them back outside of the poll like this doesn't make any sense this wasn't a smart move by any of those poll makers or anybody who handles any of the rankings this one instead of snoring like I usually do when it comes to Holy Cross for some of these Ivy League schools. We saw what they did to Yale. This one makes no sense. Uh, Holy Cross is going to roll. Saluka is going to do everything as far as throw the ball, run the ball. They're going to beat up on Harvard, kick them right outside of some people's top 25s, not ours. I hate these games. I hate who Holy Cross has to play because they're such a good football team right now. Campbell is at number seven, North Carolina Central. Yeah, your job is just to get this game done, right? Find the results you want and get back into the locker room, celebrate a little bit, and move on to the next week. North Carolina Central. A lot of people are questioning why are you guys so high on the Eagles? Well, Davies Richard is the first answer here, right? We have a lot of faith in him. We know that it starts and ends with the quarterback, whether you want to believe it or not. That coaching staff and the rest of your surrounding players hate to say it. They kind of come second. Like if you have a quarterback who can lead you when games get tough and you get yourself late into a fourth quarter, this is the one who's going to pull you through. I don't think he's going to have to pull them through against Campbell, but he'll be the reason they win or lose this ball game. We're believers in the Eagles. We think they stay inside the top 10. All you got to do is just handle business. And I think they can do so against the Campbell team. Uh, Stone, do we really have to do the next one? I mean, uh, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I'd, I'd really just, <laughs> I mean, I'd really just, you know, we can just skip this. Fire it up, Kev. Let's hear it. Number eight, Western Carolina is at the Citadel. <laughs> okay. Now, now, in all seriousness, this sucks. I hate this. You have one of the hottest teams in the FCS right now against one of the most freezing cold teams in the FCS right now in uncharted waters, right? Western Carolina is not used to being this good. The Citadel is not used to... You like how I've said it correctly for the first time? Yes, good job. The Citadel is not used to being this bad. This is the worst possible recipe that you could even imagine. I don't really know what else to say in a spot like this. The result will be lopsided. I feel so bad. And it's going to be hard for you to not watch this game. Like, you have to turn your notifications off. Just don't do it. I don't know what's going to hurt worse. You following it or you when it's all said and done checking the score and having to look at what's posted by ESPN, Yahoo, wherever you get your scores or our Twitter account if Kevin hasn't just gotten drunken and passed out at that point. Stone, I'm going to be there. It's even worse. <laughs> oh, God. So, I, mean, I mean, you know, I, I picked my return to the general uh, to be Parents Day against Western Carolina. And the reason why I did that is because the Citadel ambushed Western and Cullowee last year. And it was 35 to 10 at the end of the third 
quarter. They came out and threw the ball a little bit and uh, ran the pistol. It was the first time that we had seen the shotgun at the Citadel since, you know, the 80s. And so they kind of ambushed Western. I don't believe there'll be any of that going on this week in Charleston. This one's going to hurt me and hurt me bad. Northern Arizona is at number nine, Sacramento State. I definitely have this one circled, but for a plethora of reasons, right? You have Sac State, who's got a bad taste in their mouth, and you got Northern Arizona, who's got a really good taste in their mouth, who took down a Montana team and let everybody on Twitter have a field day. Thank you, Lumberjacks. But seriously, Sac State with the bad taste in their mouth, that's where I'm leaning here. You're a top 10 team. At this point, a fringe top 10 team. There were some good things you put on tape, but ultimately, you didn't find yourself in the win column last week. This is a good opponent to get back into the win column, and I think they do so. I think they handle business. Huge win for Northern Arizona last week. You're not wrong about that. And Sac State coming off a loss. It's been a long time since Sac State was coming off a yeah. loss in the, in the Big Sky Conference. So let's see how they respond to that. I think it'll be pretty well, but you never really know until you experience it. So NAU, go to Sac, empty the quiver, empty the bag, anything you got. You stood toe-to-toe with a Montana team who people thought was really, really good at your place last week. And you stood toe-to-toe with them, and you came away victorious. Can you do it twice in a row? That's what we said about Western Carolina earlier in the season, right? They won a big game. Nobody cares now. Go do it again. Western was able to do it. Let's see if NAU can stand a little prosperity in this ballgame at number 9, Sacramento State. Missouri State is at number 10, Southern Illinois. I'm on the call with this one, Kev. Check me out on ESPN+. Plus. I'm excited. SIU is a top 10 team, first time in a long time. Hey, but pressure rises when you have more eyes on you, especially when you did it the week before. It's the coach's job to have them prepared, and I expect Hale and them can get that done. Most State's always been a weird opponent for the dogs. It's always been one of those matchups. I, I think for the most part, though, Petrino was there. He's the one who had all of the notes, and I don't necessarily think those same game notes are there. Of course, the tape is. You can turn it on and check it out. These teams always play each other well. It's actually annoying, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about this one, Kev, but it's a big one. I think bigger than a lot of people think, to be honest. This is one to pay attention to. Like I said, they play each other really well. I'm excited. I think SIU keeps this train a chug, and I like them at this 10 spot. And it's a good most State team, too. So if you beat them, you're going to creep. It's not like we can keep them there at 10. So get this one done and have some fun. Most State's been better lately. This will be a challenging football game for Southern Illinois. And, you know, uh, look, Nick Baker, difference maker. And that rhymes. I didn't even mean for it to. Sometimes you just have good days, I guess. But most State, good football team. Southern Illinois, they're at home. It'll be a test for them. Number 11, William and Mary is at Elon Stone. We finally get to see William and Mary against a team that is halfway decent. And they almost stumbled against Charleston Southern. They almost did. And then... Western Carolina put up 77 on Charleston Southern last week. So William & Mary is offensively challenged. Bronson Yoder went down last week, which is a shame for them. He's a fine young man and a great player. But they go to Elon. They might not come out of there undefeated, Stone. Number 12, Weber State is at Northern Colorado. Weber State got shut out last week. I think you kick a field goal on the first drive, it's already better than last week, right? And Northern Colorado... Ed Lamb's a fine coach. He's got a lot of work to do there. I have all the confidence in the world that he will get it done there eventually. But Weber State's coming in there, man, and they are going to be angry. Yeah, you don't want to see Weber State right now. This is a very similar taste in their mouth to Sac State, especially because they're both playing in the big sky. They know how competitive it is, so Weber State's going to show up with a lunch pail and kick some butt. Towson is at number 17, New Hampshire. 
kind of the same game. New Hampshire, they didn't get shut out. Nobody was ever going to shut that football team out, I don't believe. I don't believe the 85 Bears could shut out Max Brosmer and New Hampshire. But Towson, coming into that place, Wildcats, man, they feel like one got away from them last week, and it very well may have, Stone. But Towson coming in there, and I believe UNH is going to hand them a whole lot of pain, bro. Listen, listen. The 85 Bears would beat UNH 85-0 to zero if they were given the chance, and they were given four quarters. Stone, it's high pro. It's hyperbole, man. We're doing we're doing sports radio. I, 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 without hyperbole, what do we have? Well, man? I got carried away. I started picturing Mike Singletary or, or one of those guys on the defense just absolutely just folding Max Brosmer like a lawn chair. It was your Why hyperbole. Would you do that? Why would you want to do that? Max is a friend of the show. <laughs> Max is an awesome friend of the show. I think he's a top three quarterback in the country. I love me some Max. He's a stone cold QB. But the last thing you want to do is go up against the 85 Bears. I understand it was her, her hyperbole, but my mind started racing, and I started seeing Max Brosmer doing helicopters trying to gain a yard or two. Don't like that. Listen, UNH, this is a mental battle here. You blow a 17-0 lead last week, and you got to get back in the facility. you got to get back and try to figure things out. And you ultimately losing that game does a lot. you got to try to determine, are we going to get back to the drawing board, or are we going to keep the same confidence? Like All of these questions are swirling. Towson is a good opponent to get back on track, though. It gets even harder when you you have to think about Towson and who you have on the rest of the schedule, but UNH rolls here, I think, in a spot. This is a great opponent to have following a loss. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Thanks for hanging with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. It's now time for the pick segment, my favorite time of the week. Stone, let's pick up first. Number 15, North Dakota is at number one, South Dakota State. Hate to do it, right? New friend of the show and CJ Siegel. I just don't see this one going the way of the Fighting Hawks. I got the Jacks coming out on top 40-17. to 17. Hopefully, it's a better game than I predicted. Can the Hawks hang around and make a game of this one? Maybe, but probably not. Take number one, South Dakota State over number 15, North Dakota, 38-13. Portland State is at number two, Montana State. Talk about Portland State scoring a lot of points in the past few weeks. I see them only touching 20 against Montana State. And the Bobcats, they're going to find themselves 45. So that'll be the result. 45-20. I don't think this game's close. It might be early, like a 7-7 or a 10-7. But the Bobcats will run away with this one. Ground to pound offensive scheme for the Bobcats. will claim another victim this this week. The Vikings are a scrappy bunch, but they'll just be outmanned here in the fourth quarter. Take number two, Montana State, 45-21 over Portland State. Number three, Idaho is at number 16, Eastern Washington in the FCS Nation Radio Game of the Week. Yep, let's do it, Vandals. Let's do it. Let's get this one done. Let's keep winning ball games against tough opponents. Vandals on top, 38 27. Vandals take their show on the road to Cheney, which is a notoriously tough place to play. Eagles have trying to go to three good games in a row, and I expect this one to be no different. I've been high on Idaho all year, and she's the gal who brought me to this thing. So I'm going to take the Vandals over number 16, Eastern Washington, on that field that's as red as the devil's dangler. Vandals, 31. Eagles, 24. South Dakota is at number four, North Dakota State. North Dakota State's going to win this ball game pretty clean, nice and easy, 35-14. North Dakota State's just not a team you want to see right now. The Yotes can make a statement with a win in Fargo, but I don't think it'll be close, y'all. The reason? Bison QB Cam Miller, the NDSU running game, and that Bison defense. Take number four, North Dakota State, over USD, 38-13. Harvard is at number six, Holy Cross. Holy Cross, uh, 55-14. I don't 
know a damn thing about Harvard. I refuse to watch Harvard football game. That's probably not okay. It's a little reckless to say, but let's go Crusaders. Keep it chugging here. Look, the knock on Holy Cross last year was that they weren't whipping inferior opponents. They were letting them hang around and winning by three points, winning by seven points. Hasn't been the case this year. I don't think it's going to be the case in this one. Number six, Holy Cross will whip Harvard 42-13. Number eight, Western Carolina is at the Citadel. Well, y'all, I'm going to be there so you won't have to. Take number eight, Western Carolina, over to Citadel in Charleston, 58-3. to Yeah, I didn't really write down a score prediction. I just didn't want you to actually hear what I had to say. So what I did write down was a lot to a little, and they'll cover whatever the spread is. That's all I got, Kev. I'll take it easy on the boys, all right? Thanks, man. Northern Arizona is at number nine, Sacramento State. I just don't know how this game plays out. If they come out aggressive in the first quarter, they'll score a lot of points. But overall, I jotted down 38-21, the Hornets on top. Like we mentioned before, the Hornets are coming off a loss in the Big Sky Conference for the first time in a long time. Let's see how they respond, Stone. I think Hornets fans will be pleased. Take number nine, Sacramento State at home over Northern Arizona, 35-20. to Missouri State is at number 10, Southern Illinois. I told you, these games are always weird. Most State and Southern Illinois, they always play really, really close games that come down to either the last possession or the last quarter of the ball game, and I think we do get that result. Tough for me picking a score prediction. I'm on the call here. Of course, I'm going the dogs, 33-28. So be a sneaky good game, and I think Stone has alluded to that several times so far. The Bears have looked better in the last couple of weeks, but the Salukis have Nick Baker, and that'll make all the difference. Take number 10, Southern Illinois, at home over Missouri State, 35-20. Number 11, Wayne and Mary, is at Elon. Tribe gonna tribe, y'all, 24-13. Tribe defense is good. This is the an offense that could give them some problems. I think this will be a close game. Could be anybody's ball game in the fourth quarter. But I do believe number 11, Wayman Mary, wins over Elon on the road, 24-21. Number 12, Weber State is at Northern Colorado. I don't really do a good Kevin Marshall, but I'm going to keep trying. I like Weba State in a spot like this. Northern Colorado, eh, not so much. Weba State, 28-14. Expect the Wildcats to get back on track here offensively, and they'll beat Northern Colorado soundly. Number 12, Weber State wins on the road, 28-7. Towson is at number 17, New Hampshire. A good spot for UNH to double somebody up. I like the Cats here, 42-20. Well, aren't they both the Cats? What is Towson, the Tigers? Tigers, the Tigers. Uh, okay, I like the Cats to double up on the Tigers, 42-20. Wildcats let one get away from them last week. I believe a lesson was learned. You got to put your foot on the opponent's throat when you got the lead. I don't believe New Hampshire will ever make that mistake again. Take number 17, New Hampshire over Towson, 42-17. Number 18, Chattanooga's at Wofford. Yeah, I like chat big here, and that's not saying anything wise, right? I think we're all picking chat no matter who you are and where you are, but I think this team wants to continue to make statements. 47 on Sanford's head. I think they'd find a similar result. I actually wrote 47-17 here over Wofford. Wofford's just not going to put up that big of a fight. No letdown for the mob who will absolutely destroy Walford. Number 10, Chattanooga wins in Sparkle City, 48-10. Number 19, Villanova is at Albany. Kev, I think Albany does this one here. This is my upset special of the week. Part one got part two coming alongside yourself, but Albany leads the country in sacks. That's a big stat. I like them in a spot like this. I like for that defense to give their offense good field position and they'll jump out to an early lead. I'm taking the dogs here, my upset special of the week. It's not a bad pick, Stone. Uh, this one's a tough one for me to figure out. And it really shouldn't be, right, considering Villanova's ranked. But Albany has a QB that can play with anybody. And if he gets in a rhythm, it could be a long, long day for Villanova. I do like Villanova to eke out a one-point win on the road over Albany, 24-23. Number 22, Youngstown State is at Northern Iowa. I'm going to be straight up with you guys. I think you and I wins this ballgame. 
I think UNI has a lead early and doesn't give it up. Youngstown State, welcome back into the top 25, but creeping yourself in, and UNH has a chance to kick you right out. This is not the opponent you want to see after creeping right back into the pole. I like UNI here. I like Theo Day to have a big day against the Penguins, and UNI will win this game 33-27. What say you? I totally agree with you. I love Iowa here. It is just about that time of the year for Northern Iowa to start playing good football. The leaves have turned. There's a chill in the air in some parts of the country. That means that everybody who's left Northern Iowa for dead is about to regret it. The Panthers are at home, and Theo Day, that fella, I got a hunchies due. Take you and I over number 22, Youngstown State, 28-24, in the upset special of the week. Let's go! That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. FCS Nation is co-hosted and produced by Mr. Stone Lebanowitz. I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football week. And like I always do, y'all, I'd like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody. It's also about how you play the game. It's played with passion and pride and sportsmanship. It's played with honor and integrity. And it's played in towns across America where football is a way of life. The Division I Football Championship Subdivision. It's more than a game.